Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. During one of our meetings a couple weeks ago, I was talking with Pastor Christy, and she was sharing, um, well, basically, some of the things that, some of her parenting tips on how to raise your children. And uh, I see her kids like, what? Um, but anyways, and so she, she was just sharing like what she did. And I was actually very moved by it because I, I have still littles and I'm still trying to figure out some of these things. And I was like, um, can you share them with the church? And so this is not part of my sermon, but I just really wanted uh, Pastor Christy to come up and share. A little bit, uh, a testimony. Did you talk to your kids about this? No. I see them looking at each other like, what? <laughs> so uh, 2 Corinthians 9, there's a scripture that says, um, God loves a cheerful giver. And it's a part of a longer passage where Paul is exhorting us about generosity and Chris is speaking on the, the dependence on the Holy Spirit. And as I emerged myself into an adult um, after I got married, the Holy Spirit started working on something in me. Um, and that was generosity. And I would have to say that my base nature, I'm not a cheerful giver. <laughs> I'm not. Um, I, grew up in a, I grew up in the lower 48 in the Dallas area. And I grew up in a culture where wealth and possessions, um, there's a very unhealthy view of them that is not based on scripture, where wealth is something to be attained and kept and hoarded for a wealthy retirement. And um, there's not a lot of emphasis about giving. Now, of course, you teach your kids to share, but there's this really deep, deep current um, that the Lord and the Holy Spirit began touching my heart as I grew into adulthood. And really, very pointedly, as I moved to rural Alaska and lived in a culture where generosity and sharing and the communal, the communal good is of incredible value. And my selfishness was very contrasted in that. And so in that time, the Lord really began showing me that he wanted to rework some of my thinking about money and possessions. And then I moved to Alaska, to Anchorage um, almost 12 years ago, and Pastor Max was our lead pastor then. And he would often preach on the way the kingdom values turn our human economy upside down. And that was challenging. In many of those sermons, I'd be agitated <laughs> because, it, again, the Holy Spirit would be showing me ways that the way I viewed money and things were not in alignment with, with Jesus's heart. Well, as I let the Holy Spirit work in my life, and um, I wanted, as a mom, to be intentional about passing this on. Curtis, my husband, is an incredibly generous person, and I was often challenged by his um, free, free giving, freely giving, loaning, opening our home, sharing financially, and um, so he was an incredible um, mentor for me in this. But as I was raising children, I was primarily a stay-at-home mom um, for many years. 
Um, and that's the ministry that God called me to. I had been serving in teaching ministry and counseling ministry. Um, but when our youngest son, Josh, was born, the Lord was really clear that he was now calling me to be more focused at my home with my kids. And so um, what, I don't exactly remember how this was, but with the permanent fund dividend, right, we have this incredible boost into our accounts, right, in, in the fall as Alaska residents. When I moved to Alaska, I had friends saying, hey, I hear they pay people to live there. <laughs> you know, the, the PFD, like, well, that's not exactly it. But, but um, that's something that um, Curtis and I, before we had kids, um, would look forward to ways that we could we'd talk about how can we use this um, to bless other people um, and to be generous with. Well, as our kids came along and as they got older, um, we decided that we wanted to also help them in this time to, uh, to think about how um, our money, actually our money is used for the kingdom and for generosity. So I don't exactly remember how this idea came, but I'll just share the idea. And this is what we did, what Chris wanted me to share. So um, we, when the kids would get, when we get our dividends, we explain to the kids about this money that we get. Now they didn't get their, keep their dividends. We give them a, maybe a little boost to their allowance, but, but that we had this. And so we would basically take a 10% tithe out of the dividend for our whole family. So there's five of us in our family. So 10% for each one of the dividends we'd get. And we'd go to the bank and we would get cash, like in $5 increments or $10 increments. And we would sit down at the table, the dining room table, and we'd also have envelopes. And we would put a stack of bills by each of our children for the same amount um, and tell them that they had the, they had to give it away. This was money that they were to give away. And we would talk about our church needs, ministry needs. Um, but we'd really start to ask them, like, who, who do you think has need? Who do you care about? Who would you want to give to? It doesn't have to be a church need. Um, and we would often talk about, you know, maybe um, there had been a recent world disaster and Covenant World Relief or World Vision was addressing, or um, maybe there was a friend they knew that whose family was really struggling. Or, so we get them talking about what they cared about. And it was so interesting because my kids were very different. And they had different ages, um, but they, they would start talking about the things they cared about. And so we started, we'd make envelopes um, to reflect what was on their heart. And so um, our son Nathan often really had a heart for the hungry in the world. And so he was very in tune with the natural disasters or um, we, he and I had volunteered when I homeschooled him at um, the soup kitchen. And so that was really on his heart. So often that's where he wanted the bulk of his money to go to. And our other children had different things that were really on their heart. And so sometimes one would say, well, I want to give to this person. And then my other, oh, yeah, yeah, me too. So that we'd be, you know, they'd be shoveling bills and moving money over and putting it to this and, and distributing this, 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 um, this gift to give. And it was something that um, I believe I look forward to most years, every year, as we did this together, and having the actual dollar bills right there as a very physical representation and was also fun. And, and most of the time, they hadn't seen that much, you know, $100. If it was a $1,000 dividend. $100 is a lot for a kid to have in front of them. Of course, as they got older, we didn't always get the green cash. Some, some years, we used Monopoly money, you know, as the representative of where their funds are going to go. Um, and now that they're older, you know, my older two decide what they want to do with their dividend now. And then Josh also has the opportunity still to give. Um, but it was a really great exercise. And it also um, built in Curtis and I an excitement, too, to, to think, what, where is the Lord leading us this year to bless, to, to give to someone? And like I said, 
This is not something that just comes naturally, right, for me. Um, but it's a practice that has, um, I feel like it's, uh, as, as we were faithful to do that with our kids, um, it's something, too, that I look forward to each year as well. So one idea for you and your family. Um, but you might have another idea of how to model and together think about the needs in our community and our church and our state around the world, um, especially at this time with dividends when we can um, have an extra little, be an extra blessing in a special way. Oh, thank you, Christy. Uh, we don't often talk about discipleship of money. I mean, we kind of abstractly like say, yes, you should be a good disciple of it, but we don't actually give you any hints because that's like too personal. And so it's just kind of like, do it, but we don't say how. And I just thought that was just a really practical way to disciple children with money. Um, practically to disciple adults with money, honestly. Uh, so, um, like I said, this was not a teaching to say, you have to do this, but it's just to give you a model of how to be generous. Uh, because we're all called to be generous, right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for your faithfulness, Lord. And teach us to be faithful. Teach us to be faithful stewards of all that you give us. Um, teach us to have eyes to see needs around us and how we can contribute to solutions uh, financially, with our talents, uh, with our time, Lord. Teach us to be people that get involved. That don't complain. That don't just complain. But that work for solutions. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. Now the message. Uh, uh, when I was about to finish seminary, uh, uh, my wife and I were a little panicked uh, because she was pregnant with our third child. And we didn't know where we were going to go, right? So we had like kind of this deadline, like, um, like we had to find some place to go because we lived on the campus, like, so they were going to kick us out. So we had to figure out where were we going to go. And whenever we, whenever I graduated, Alyssa was going to be seven and a half months pregnant. So we needed someplace fast. And we wanted to come back to Anchorage. We still had our home here, but you know, there, there didn't seem to be any job prospects that were opened. And I was applying for jobs all around the country. And I had a few offers, but nothing felt right. And so we kept praying and we kept waiting. But that changed on uh, the spring break uh, before graduation. Uh, we went to visit my mom like we did every spring break uh, because she spoils us with delicious Korean food. Um, and my mom, she lives in uh, Pullman, Washington, uh, which is where Alyssa and I met. Uh, we went to college there, and so it's a very special place to us. And whenever we'd go, we'd go to our old church. I talked about that some last week, and we'd see our old friends. But this time, it was going to be a shortened trip, so we decided not to visit our church. Because, you know, then you see your friends, and then your friends want to do something with you, and you just get pulled too many directions. We just wanted to be with our mom. But Sunday was coming, and so we decided we still wanted to go to a church, so uh, we just picked out a church. There was a, an old church that we drove by that was like, right on the edge of town. We always drove past it, and it was in an old movie theater. And uh, so he's like, that's the church we're going to go to. We'd never been to it before. And, but 
me being me, uh, someone who likes to do his homework and research, you know, I, I went online and I read the bio of the pastor. And I discovered that he grew up in Chugiak, Alaska. And I was like, huh, I live in Chugiak, Alaska. And so that was interesting. And then, uh, so then, you know, that kind of got my, like, you know, curiosity up. And so I stooped some more, right? right? I did some mild Facebook stalking. And I found out he went to Chugiak High School. And I went to Chugiak High School. <laughs> and then I found out he graduated the same year as me. And I was like, wait, what? Now, I was, I was really curious at this point. Like, I had to go to this church and meet him. And so Sunday we went to services. And afterwards I introduced myself and said, hey, so I was, you know, doing all of this research on you, and I discovered these things we have in common. And he was a little weirded out, but, um, you know, but he was cool. And so um, after a while, we figured out that uh, maybe we had met at some point, but we, we didn't know each other. Uh, we just ran in slightly different circles, right? He went to the Assemblies of God youth group, and I went to the Baptist youth group, and he was a part of Young Life, and I was a part of Youth for Christ. So um, we were just like, just in slightly different circles. But we had a lot of friends in common, and we were both involved in the start of the Alpha Omega Club, which is the campus Bible study. We just didn't know each other. But we connected, and uh, we got along pretty well, and we kept talking. And after several conversations over, you know, a month or so, he offered me a position at this church. Uh, he was a solo pastor, and so he was pretty stretched. And so he, he offered me a position at this church, and uh, so it wasn't a paid position, so it was really easy for him to offer it. But uh, they called me a pastor in residence. And uh, so I, I ended up going to Pullman. We stayed with my mom, and I worked for her part-time, and then I worked at the church, and it was my first pastoral job. And I helped plan services, and I preached monthly, and I led their youth group. Now, amazing coincidence, right? Two kids from Chugiak, Alaska, right? Went there at the same time, both followed the call to ministry, ended up meeting in a small, small rural Washington town. Oh, of course not. He was praying for help for the right person to come along because solo pastoring is rough. And uh, he was feeling stretched and he was feeling tired. And, uh, and we, we were worried about a new baby coming. And we already had two children. And we're wondering, where are we going to live? And we were scared about losing insurance because we're part of the Washington State Health Exchange and having babies is expensive. So like, what are we gonna do? And so I firmly believe that the Holy Spirit was leading us to my old, to my new high school friend. And the Holy Spirit was preparing that church to receive us. Um, it, was a great, it was great to be there. I was, I was there for a year. Um, it was wonderful. So left on good terms, we're still friends. I still go and see him all the time. He actually came up to Alaska to take his family the Spirit of God, it's part of the Trinity, right? So Father, Creator, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And uh, this is a cultural note. I feel like I always have to say this whenever I talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, that th this, this part of the Trinity doesn't directly correspond to a person, right? It's not a Father, not the Son, okay? So it's not mother. And uh, so sometimes it's hard to know how to talk about it. Um, and I don't like to call the, pro the Holy Spirit it. I don't like to use that pronoun with it because um, it seems impersonal. Like it's like the Holy Spirit's just a force. 
but I do believe that the holy person is, is a being, right? It has agency and will. And uh, I don't like to use like the, the they, them pronouns because I'm old and I'm a former English teacher. And so, uh, and that just seems like a plural pronoun to me. So it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work for my brain yet. And I know that's the way some people identify now, but I have a hard time still there. I haven't been able to make that switch personally. Um, so, but it's also tricky because depending on how the word spirit is used, um, which version in Greek or in Hebrew, and there's multiple different ways that was referred to, um, in other languages, words can be masculine or feminine. And uh, so the word spirit used has been used in masculine, they've been masculine nouns for spirit and feminine nouns for spirit and gender neutral nouns for spirit. Uh, in the first three verses that I, I'm going to share, um, each one of those verses, I, I just looked up, um, use a different gendered noun. The first one uses a female gendered noun. The second one uses a uh, neutral gendered noun. The third one uses a masculine gendered noun and a neutral gendered noun for the Holy Spirit. So uh, it can be difficult to kind of know, like, how do you refer to things? And that's one of the problems with linguistics, right? If things being translated into another language. Um, so, so, just so you know, when you read something and it refers to the Holy Spirit as a she, that does not mean that there's some crazy agenda or necessarily mean that there's some crazy agenda about God. Um, it doesn't have to be a political thing. Um, I, I kind of alternate between the, gen the pronoun I use uh, just because it, it uses all of them. Um, but because, like I said, language is complicated. And actually using both is more, of, I think, probably a fidelity to the complexity and limitations of translation and language. Sorry, that's a long rabbit trail. But in this day and age, um, especially on a divisive topic like this, you just kind of got to say it. <sighs> okay. Now, the Holy Spirit was around from the beginning. From the beginning. Second verse in the Bible, Genesis 1-2. Now the earth was formless and empty. The darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Uh, by the way, female. Um, the Spirit is found throughout Scripture, right? And it shows up whenever God's active. And God was going to be active right in the beginning, right? This is right before God starts creating. Uh, Jesus says in John 3, 8, um, using a gender neutral uh, noun, God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sounds, but you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. Okay? God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. The spirit of God is the activity of God. Um, and that's not something that people, that people can control or predict. We just have to recognize, uh, follow, and try to keep up. Where the Spirit is, the presence of God is alive and active. And this is one of the ways that we know um, that if we follow Christ, we have new life because we become aware of that activity in our life. Jesus promised that he would not leave us in this world alone. In John 14, 26, let the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said to you. Right? The Holy Spirit will teach you everything. Now, okay, 
uh, sometimes. I'm not a big list person, but I'm going to give you a list. Four things. So this is going to be the first thing that I want to say in the interest of time about the Holy Spirit. The first thing, this is something you can trust. This is concrete. The Spirit leads us to Jesus. The Spirit leads us to Jesus. Jesus says that he is sending through the Father an advocate that will testify about him. That Spirit will lead you to Jesus, right? I'm going to read a bit of scripture. I'm going to read John 15, 26. And then uh, I'm actually going to skip down to 16, 12, um, because there's like a little bit of a gap in there. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he makes known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the spirit you will receive from me, what he, that is why I said, the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. All right? You can trust that the spirit will lead you to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit leads you to Jesus. Jesus says that he is sending through the Father an advocate that will testify to him. That spirit will lead you to him. That spirit will lead you to Jesus. This is how you discern, okay? Uh, sometimes life will take you to places and things that seem good, and sometimes not. And sometimes it's just hard to tell. Should I do this or should I do that? This opportunity keeps coming up. Should I take it? Um, I keep running into this person. Why? Ask the Spirit to reveal truth for you. Remember, the Spirit leads us to Jesus, okay? Pick the option that looks like Jesus. I say this all the time. That's how you determine the truth, right? You find the thing that looks more like Jesus. What is loving? What is kind? What is self-sacrificial? What is generous? What is more like Jesus? What will make me more like Jesus? The Spirit, that's where the Spirit will lead you, okay? And so when you pray for discernment, when you're trying to figure out the truth, uh, notice that the Spirit is called, uh, that Jesus called the Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Pray that the Holy Spirit will illuminate this for you. Um, I find that most of the time our confusion, okay, most of the time my confusion uh, about where the Spirit is leading is more about me not really liking what uh, the Spirit is saying. It's more about me wanting to keep options open or oh, just not trusting. Uh, those are usually the issues that come with discernment for me uh, that, that really kind of keep me from discerning. But really, when you're trying to pick something, pick the thing that looks like Jesus. Always. That's the way you go. How do you know what to do? You pick what looks like Jesus. Um, all right. Next thing. Number two uh, that I want us to know about the Spirit. Not only does it lead us to Jesus, but it binds us together as the body of Christ and the people of God. It binds us together. And this is part of one of my favorite passages of scripture. It's the one that's tattooed on my arm that everybody asks, like, what is that? It's Ephesians 2. Um, so I'm going to start on verse 17. When he came, he announced the good news of peace to you who are far away from God and to those who were near. 
we both have access to the Father through Christ by the one Spirit. So now you are no longer strangers and aliens. Rather, you are fellow citizens with God's people, and you belong to God's household. As God's household, you are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. The whole building is joined together with him and grows into a temple that is dedicated to the Lord. Christ is building you into a place where God lives through the Spirit. Um, we are the house of the Lord. And, and this is something that we need to remember, that our faith, our faith is not just a me thing. Okay, It's a we thing. We are the temple of the Lord together. And all the passages about God living in our hearts, and I spent way too much studying, I did a lot of like, like language stuff uh, this time in my sermon. Um, all the stuff about God living in our hearts and stuff, that's plural. That's all plural, okay? Not God lives in my heart, God lives in our heart. Um, there is no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. Okay, we do not serve a disembodied Christ. Because without a body, there is no Christ. Christ has a body. And we, we are that body. We are the body. Each person comes to faith by themselves, right? They have to experience new life for themselves, new life in Christ for themselves. You don't get to ride on the coattails of your spouse's faith you, or your parents' faith or your grandmother's faith. You have to come to faith on your own. You have to have that own spiritual awakening. You have to surrender your sin and self to Christ. Every knee has to bow and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord. No one can do that for you. But the faith you enter into is not just your own faith. Our faith is not our own. It's the faith of the people of God. And together, together we are God's people. Right? So we consciously depend upon the Holy Spirit because we cannot do this thing alone. We cannot become the body of Christ on our own. We do not become the temple of God on our own. We need the Spirit to bind us together to make us one. One faith. Uh, this is Ephesians 4, chapter 4 through 6. There is one body, one spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you are called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all. We need the spirit to make us one, right? And we consciously depend upon that spirit to bind us together, to help us to be the church together, right? To help us to do the things that Christ would have us to do, to engage in the mission, right? To, to love and to serve and to proclaim his name in this world together. All right, third, we rely upon the Spirit to make us more like Jesus. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. All of us are looking with unveiled faces at the glory of the Lord as if we were looking in the mirror. We are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. This comes from the Lord, who is spirit. And 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 2. God the Father chose you because of what he knew beforehand. He chose you through the, through the Holy Spirit's work of making you holy because of the faithful obedience and sacrifice of Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is at work in us, right? To have us be conformed more and more to Christ's likeness so we can be more and more like Jesus, all right? Bit by bit, that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what the nudgings of the Spirit does. That's what the prompting of the Spirit does. And it makes sense, right? If you're following the Spirit, you know, 
to Jesus, you're going you're gonna to be more like Jesus. You're going there. If you're engaged with the body of Christ, right, the body of Christ, you're going to end up looking more like Jesus. That's the way it works. The Holy Spirit helps make us to be more like Jesus. So the recap, the Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus, binds us to one another in Jesus, and it helps us to become more and more like Jesus. And uh, we can spend a lot of time about how, how the Spirit does that, through empowering us to read Scripture so that it's transformative rather than just educational, and through the giftings of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And by the equipping of spiritual gifts to better serve one another and participate in the mission of Christ. Yeah, that's all a part of it. Um, and I would love to spend more time talking about that, but there, there's a limited time. But we need to all ask the Spirit to come down individually upon us and collectively upon us to breathe new life in us and to empower us in Christ's name. And don't you need more of the Spirit in your life? All right, last thing I want to mention, point four. Jesus called the Holy Spirit our advocate. And what does an advocate do? Well, she intercedes for us. She pleads for us. She makes her case for us. And the Holy Spirit is our advocate. And I, I often remind us that uh, Satan's name is accuser, right? Blame, shame, guilt, fear. That's, that's Satan. The Holy Spirit's our advocate not our accuser, okay? Don't get those two mixed up. Don't get those things mixed up. That's easy to do. The Holy Spirit's our advocate, not the accuser. Satan is the accuser. The Holy Spirit's the advocate. John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, remind you of everything I've said to you. The Holy Spirit is the advocate. And the advocate may not say that you're all innocent, right? That's not, not what an advocate does. An advocate doesn't say like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, they didn't do anything wrong. Um, but they do point out the potential. They do point out the way that, that there can be more there, right? They might point out the value that can be reclaimed. They might point out the ways that, that you can re-engage, right? They, the Holy Spirit, it pleads our case. She pleads our case. We have no words to defend ourselves. And we all need an advocate. We all need a champion. Shoot. Right, because uh, we all have accusations. Um, sometimes those accusations come from outside, but just as often they come from inside. And we need an advocate making our case. When we feel beat up and no longer feel like we have any defense, we need an advocate who pleads for us. Uh, Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit comes to help us in our weakness. When we don't know what we should pray, the Spirit himself pleads for us, pleads our case with unexpected groans. The one who searches our hearts knows how the Spirit thinks because he pleads for the saints, consistent with God's will. We know that God works all things together for the goods of those of the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. And it's through the pleading and the intercession of the advocate that God works out all things good for us, right? All things good for those who love him. 
gosh, I need an advocate on my side. Don't you need an advocate on your side? Someone to root for you, to stand up for you, someone to plead for you. And that's the Holy Spirit, right? That is your power. And, th and that is what we reply on, right? From the very beginning of our denomination, we've known that we are utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit in order to live a fruitful and healthy spiritual life. So we need the Spirit. You need the Spirit. We need the Spirit to open our eyes, to show us Jesus, to enable us to, to give and to receive and to be part of the body of Christ, to enable us to live and love and serve more like Jesus in the world. Church, we all need to consciously depend upon the Spirit of God right? to bring us to Jesus, to plead our case for us, and to help us to be more and more like him engaged in his mission, in his goodness, and this demonstrating his kindness and love in this world. Let's pray. Holy Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for sending us an advocate, Lord, who intercedes on your behalf, who intercedes on our behalf, God. Lord, who stands up to the accusations and Lord, uh, Lord, I, I recognize, we recognize that we are dependent upon the Spirit, that we cannot live this life on our own, that we need you, we need your truth. We need your Spirit to illuminate that truth to us, Lord God, so that we can more fully live as you would have us live, Lord, so we can more fully engage in the body of Christ, so that we can more fully, Lord, serve you, that we more firmly can proclaim your kingdom come in this world, God, that we can proclaim your goodness and demonstrate your goodness, Lord, through our actions and through our life, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.